Hey, it's Zach, and I'm back with Elevate and Accelerate. And today we're going to be talking about podcasting and how you can use podcasting uh, to help grow your business and build your authority in your marketplace. And today I've got a special guest, Ryan Ruff. Now, Ryan is uh, not only a friend, but somebody who works with the agency um, in many different capacities, but but uh, especially in uh, being the host and uh, and facilitator of podcasts for our clients and for others as well. And so uh, really excited to have him. Um, he brings in a whole lot of experience from the uh, from the media uh, world. And so I'll let him share some of that with you. But Ryan, great to have you on the show today. Uh, no, it's great to be here, Zach. It's, I, I was just saying before we press the record button, it's exciting to be on the other side of the podcast experience. I'm usually the one that's going through and interviewing people, but uh, no, it's cool to cool to be in the other seat today. Yeah, yeah, the hot seat, right? That's uh, that's what you're in today. So, um, well, great. Listen, um, I mean, we've got a lot of information that we can cover today, and and what I'm expecting is is that most of our audience is probably going to be uh, the entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals. But quite frankly, really, no matter who you are, uh, having a podcast is a great way to to get what you know out there, to build authority, and some other things. But um, I would love to hear before we get into that a little bit more about your background and what even brought you to a place where you host podcasts and that's your thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've got an interesting background, man. Um, when I, I've just kind of skated across the surface of a lot of different areas of media. So um, I'm a Penn State grad. I went to Penn State University and got a degree in broadcast journalism. Uh, always had a dream of being a play-by-play -play sports announcer. That was my goal. Always wanted to be into that. Uh, and I got some awesome reps uh, when I was at Penn State. I was the uh, primary broadcaster for the Penn State ice hockey team, which was uh, a program that was just earning their Division One status at the time. Uh, got to call some awesome, awesome games. Uh, got an experience to call a game at Madison Square Garden, uh, Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. And then, of course, I got to call a football game, Penn State football. Got to call one of those. That was a blast uh, at Beaver Stadium. Um, but, you know, uh, when you're out in the working world, you're leaving college, it was really difficult. It's a very small market size. Uh, I was struggling to land a job as a play-by-play -play guy, you know, across a variety of different sports. Um, but I did find an opportunity, uh, and I'm very thankful for, uh, for you know, as a Penn State connection and an individual up in uh, Elmira, New York, um, at WETM 18 News. I was uh, picked up from there to be a just general assignment reporter for them. And it was fun. It was a, I had a two year deal up there, uh, but the role quickly developed. Uh, I went from being just a general assignment reporter where I would go out every day and field my own story ideas. I would shoot the stories on my own most days, you know, with the camera. And uh, it was a lot of learning on the fly uh, in that job. So you would you would like be that person where people are like trying to get in the background and making faces while you're talking and like that whole kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> yes. Man. Yes, that was me. That was me. And the live shots were always fun too because of that. You know, you get those people behind you. Yeah, no, that was me. Uh so I was I was a uh you know, general assignment reporter would be reporting on local politics or even sometimes local sports and that was always fun when I got the chance at that, but uh very quickly uh management had realized that I I had some potential for more and they offered me the opportunity to be the 11 o'clock news anchor and the producer of the show uh for our 11 o'clock news. Um, and it came with a lot more than just, uh, you know, being an anchor and, and, you know, kind of building that 11 o'clock show. I was also, I was 21 years old at this moment. I'm fresh out of college and I'm also managing an entire newsroom while I'm doing that. So, uh, you know, when you're 
you know, on the night side uh, at this small market TV station, our news director would, you know, his day would be done after the six o'clock news. So here I am at 21 years old, building a show, anchoring it, also sending our, you know, photographers and videographers out to go gather other stories for the night side. So learning the, um, uh, the fire drill that was TV news uh, was pretty exciting early on. I learned a lot about uh, on-air presence and the ability to, you know, grab an audience's attention and, you know, write, uh, you know, in a, in a news uh, sense, um, really a valuable experience. I had a wonderful two years up there, hosted a few talk shows for the, for the station as well. And I uh, got really close with some of the, you know, the political figures in that area and Elmira will always hold a special place in my heart. But, um, you know, I realized pretty quickly that that life of, um, you know, to achieve a, a pretty big, you know, uh, you know, level of success in on air, you know, roles is you're kind of jumping from market to market across the country for the next 10, 15, maybe 30 years. If you're, you know, if you're not able to get that big break and that's, you know, to hopefully one day end up on a network of some kind, right. And then you're in a major city at that point, but you know, I, I, that just wasn't, I wasn't that passionate about being an on-air presence in terms of, of, of local news. That just wasn't what I was passionate about. What I was finding that I was passionate about was the ability to leverage good storytelling to make an impact on a business, to make an impact on someone's life, uh, to, to enact change in some way, shape, or form. You know, I was really understanding the power of a really great story, um, and it was at that point in time, I got scooped up. Uh, it was another Penn State connection. I was working for uh, an advertising and public relations agency. And I took a little bit of a risk with this one because it was something that was completely out of my expertise. I was a media planner and buyer. So I was I was planning and building advertising campaigns for uh, for our client base. And, and, you know, there was negotiation going on in that area, a lot of dollars and cents on the table. Uh, it was a stressful gig. Um, I ended up at one point built out an advertising campaign of like $4 million for a federal government agency. And uh, after a little bit, it just, again, wasn't the right fit, but I was, I'm so fortunate that I got that experience of trying to bridge, you know, creative content creation and, you know, leveraging that with dollars and cents to see an outcome and see it played out on a big screen in terms of, you know, advertising. But then, uh, then my brother came knocking and that's really where I found, you know, celebrity branding agency and, and DNA films, uh, really, uh, you know, my brother, Nick Ruff, a primary editor for a lot of the documentaries that Nick Nanton puts together, uh, with, with DNA films. And, uh, my brother is at this point, my gosh, five, eight time Emmy award winner. Uh, he's got a shelf full of them just like Nick does at this point. Uh, but no, I, I had the opportunity to come aboard and I was working hand in hand with my brother, which is a really rewarding experience as a content producer and an editor for DNA films, uh, won an Emmy for the uh, project dreamer, which, um, you know, anybody that knows anything about our, our agency, I'm sure dreamers popped into conversation at some point. Um, and then, you know, Nick, Nick and Zach, frankly, you uh, came and poached me uh, away from from my brother and, and the DNA film side. Uh, once you guys saw the the real need and the real demand for podcasting on this space. So, you know, not being a stranger to media and content creation and that power of storytelling again, um, it really has been a fun time, you know, being in this role now as executive producer and uh, being able to focus really on that content strategy, marrying it with marketing, uh, you know, and and being able to utilize both of those two things together to build entrepreneurial brands. It's been a super rewarding experience. And uh, it's my long winded way of say of, of showing you how I got here. But I think it does a nice job of painting the picture on how many different areas of media I've touched. 
um, and different levels at which I've I've worked uh, within these different respective industries that do fall within media. Yeah, which is phenomenal because I mean we talk with people all the time about uh, media marketing and PR or business trifecta. I've mentioned on this podcast and other things, and um, that being the system behind how people can elevate their brand and accelerate their journey of success, which was you know the the birth child of of this podcast or this podcast, the birth child of that. But um, you know, but you mentioned a number of different things here that I just find like so interesting. Like you were 21 years old, you were running a newsroom. Um, you are anchoring a live show, you, um, you are out in the field sometimes, or then you were sending people out in the field. And then you went and did like media buying and advertising and like the whole other side of stuff. And it's just like, like you said, I mean, you've been everywhere. Um, like the song goes, right? Like you've been everywhere, man. Like, um, but I, I think what, I, what I've really enjoyed, uh, kind of watching you work and seeing you do is like your ability to be able to connect with clients um, and your ability to be able to uh, help them get to the core of, you know, what they need to present, how they should present themselves. How do they show up on these podcasts? Because look, like most of the people that we're working with, for those of you out there listening that don't know, um, you know, our entrepreneurs and people are in many different industries around the world. And so, um, you know, they're really good at doing what they do and they may know the value or see the value in a podcast, but either they don't have the time or the knowledge or the understanding. And, and that's why they end up working with us. Um, and so before we get into uh, some of the things that people could do to be successful in a podcast, um, I wanted to kind of pick your brain for a minute and see um, what are your thoughts as it relates to um, not just the value of a podcast, but maybe even like the difference between um, a podcast and being just a podcaster where your whole goal is, is like to be the next Joe Rogan, right? You want sponsorships, you want like, like that's the whole mission and plan and, and why you're starting one. Um, and then what I think a lot of other people are landing is finding out that like, it's just fun. Like it's fun to have a podcast, but then it can also help benefit you as a person and your business. Right. And so um, so yeah, what, what's your thoughts about, you know, kind of the differences between the two? Yeah. I mean, the, the Joe Rogan, I like that you brought his name up. That approach is, is a tough one, especially at this stage of the game. When you look at the podcasting world out there, uh, boy, is it, you know, you can take that high level view of it and boy, does it look watered down? I mean, everybody's got a podcast for everything, but when you can take that sentence and take it with a grain of salt because everybody has a podcast for everything because there's an audience for everything. There's There are people out there that want to hear what certain experts have to say on different matters. That's why sometimes a show like Joe Rogan's or, or any other talk show where they're bringing on experts from different lines of, of industry and work are so successful because they provide this high tier level of guidance and expertise. But when we're looking at that, that version of a show versus, you know, what our clients are really doing and what we really encourage people to do. It, it, it comes down to kind of thought leadership and the way you are branding and portraying yourself. So, you know, I was having a conversation with a client the other day, a financial advisor of ours, um, you know, and, and his first venture into podcasting was with us and it's super shy and timid getting into this process, but he knew he needed to do something to stand out in a very, very, you know, heavily weighed down uh, market space of, of financial advising, especially in New York City. I mean, oh my gosh. So 
So he wanted to do something to stand out. And, and, you know, his first thoughts are, okay, well, we need to get, we need to make sure we have a lot of followers and there's a lot of engagement on the show. And I had to tell him, you know, pump the brakes for a second because that'll come. The big thing right now is that we need the people that are going to be watching and listening to your podcast to be those qualified individuals, those prospects that could end up turning into business for you. And, and when we look at what the nature of the podcast does is sure it provides thought leadership it provides guidance or expertise on a given subject matter. It's not meant to necessarily act as a direct selling tool for somebody, you know, to absolutely push them towards, you know, buying or selling a service or product. It's meant to position the host of the podcast, the star of the show of that podcast as somebody that has a level of expertise, as somebody that is willing to go above and beyond traditional ways of getting in front of their target audience to be able to be recognized. So, Zach, I think that's the real difference between a Joe Rogan like podcast and the podcast of of the, you know, the smaller entrepreneurs or just the the every the every, you know, average Joe um, that's that's looking into this space. There's there's value in both sides of it. It's just how you approach it. That uh, that average Joe pun got me. It wasn't. <laughs> it uh, it didn't miss me there. So we're all average Joes, and then there's Joe Rogan, right? Right, so. right. <laughs> I actually missed that one myself. I'm gonna be honest. I can't believe I did that, but dang, uh, it's good. I'm a dad, so like, uh, you know, puns are like, you know, I all my jokes went out the window, and now they're just, you know, they're just really sad and dismal. Um, it just, you know, with every every additional kid, it gets worse, but. Um, yeah, thanks for that. And and I think you bring up a, a lot of really good points too. And that's that um, when we're working with people, especially clients and, and entrepreneurs who are looking to to grow their business, um, they they look at like the Joe Rogans or they look at some of the top 1% podcasts that are out there. And in their minds, their thought is like all this other media that's out there too. It's like, well, if I can do that, then my business will grow. Um, or if I can, and the reality is, is like, that's probably not going to happen. There's like 2.6 million podcasts that are like out there right now. Um, and, and I think it ended up being like, you know, 66 million different episodes. So like, there's probably somebody out there talking about what you're talking about, but are they talking to your unique audience? Do they have your unique story? Are you putting it like, are they putting it in front of the people that you're talking to? So that's your opportunity to to leverage something like a podcast um, without just seeing it as like a pipe dream to be viral, but really to be a valuable asset in, in giving content. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it really comes down to that. I, I keep coming back to that word, thought leadership. It, it, you know, again, Zach, we had a we had a meeting the other day with a, a prospect for the agency that was interested in this podcasting space that was referred to us from another client, and that was somebody. And the whole reason that that meeting even happened in the first place, where we talked to that prospect about podcasting and whether or not it was an opportunity for them, if it was the right fit for them and their brand, was because it came because that individual saw the work that one of our clients was doing and thought, huh, well, I mean, it's, it's legit. It's rolling, you know, it's, it's content that's rolling out on a consistent basis. It looks nice, high production value, all the good things. So, you know, it's, it goes to say a lot when you're seeing, when you're seeing it done and then somebody's like, Oh, that, that could be nice for me. Well, it could be is honestly the answer um, at, at the end of the day. Look, I think 
by and large, most people see the value of having a podcast and using that as a platform to build your authority and, and get that thought leader status and, you know, and be seen that way. Um, but there's a lot that goes into it. Right. And, and that's the thing that a lot of people, it's that level of uncertainty, I think that scares people away from even just starting it. Um, you know, if you're watching the video here, like you can see our microphones in the screen, like you don't see what types of cameras we're using or the lighting or, you know, there's, there's so many different things that go into uh, producing a high quality podcast and video um, that, that I think is a barrier to entry for a lot of people, but just mentally. Oh, right. Definitely. Definitely. Here's my thought about that. Like you've got the option, right? I mean, you can throw in a pair of earbuds, you know, hop onto a video on your iPhone or record the thing and then, you know, do some editing and like, and you can have a podcast boom, right? Like that's why there's 2.6 million. It's not that hard to just record your audio and do it, but to do it in a way that like garners attention that positions you as an expert that does the things that you need to do. I mean, obviously there's some fundamentals and I would be interested in kind of hearing like, What's what's some of your tips um, as far as what should people be thinking about if they're starting a podcast? Like, you know, what's the equipment question? Like, what are some things that that they could look at? Yeah. And this, you know, this reminds me of kind of what we run through really in our onboarding process. Whenever a client comes on, you know, we're talking about those barriers to entry and, and why we're even here to help them eliminate some of those barriers. So you bring up equipment and it's, it's a, I say it's a conversation worth having. It's not the sexiest of conversations around podcasting. Everybody wants to talk about what they want to talk about, but equipment is a massive, massive piece to the puzzle. Um, more importantly than, especially if you're even, even if you're doing a video podcast, the most important thing is still the audio. At the end of the day, you want to sound crisp and clear and a crisp and clear sound because just that sensory thing we've got going on here in our brains. When, when, you know, if I, for example, if I was using a mic right now, Zach, that was like my cell phone mic and I'm just speaking into it and it's on speaker mode and whatever uh, it's, you're going to hear, you're going to hear my dog barking downstairs. You're going to hear the fan I have in the background. It's going to pick up all these things and I am going to sound infinitely worse than you on a podcasting microphone. So there's that first off, there's the difference between one versus the other, but then take that a step further. So if you're a listener, you know, I throw on this podcast in the car and I hear this very drastic difference in audio, one of which is almost ear piercing. How likely am I to flip this off? You know, oh, this is just painful, honestly, to listen to in some instances. Then boom, done. So that's why I bring up audio is super important. And for a, you know, a microphone, you know, we at, at CBA, we recommend specific brands, specific, you know, pieces of equipment to all of our clients because look, uh, I've done the grunt work for you guys. <laughs> I played all these, I played the game of plugging in all the wires to all the things to try and get it all to work. Uh, it's not fun. It takes a long time. It, you know, it, it stresses you out. We do now know of a specific few brands, a specific few lines of microphones, cameras, lighting equipment that are just plug and play. It couldn't be more simple. You plug it into the wall to power it up. You plug it into your computer, Boom, done. It's that easy. Um, this microphone is one of them. It's the Shure MV7. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful microphone. It's a podcasting microphone. Zach, you and I are using the same one. We recommend this to all our clients. When we talk about video, though, when we switch over to video, there's a few different schools of thought here uh, when it comes to video and podcasting. Obviously, you want a clear picture. Everybody wants a clear picture if they're doing a video podcast. But does that mean you need to go for a multi-thousand dollar camera to get that clear picture? 
Well, no. There are, you know, ever since the pandemic, frankly, we've seen a massive, massive uh, jump in the quality of gadgets and gizmos related to the online podcasting streaming world. This microphone, for example, this was a new innovation that came out after the pandemic. Then we have, you know, even your standard Logitech cameras that probably so many of you guys out there have probably sitting right on top of your monitor there are Logitech, you know, uh, cameras. And sure, they get the job done for your Zoom meetings where you got to talk to colleagues, but when it comes time to record, are they good enough? And the answer is yes now. Now some of these these small little webcams that can fit in the palm of your hand have an unbelievable lens in these things that cost you $100, $200. So boom, just like that, with a $200 mic, with a $200 webcam, you've got audio and video done. Now we're on the lighting. Okay, I'm utilizing I'm in a I'm very fortunate in this space. I am in a room with no windows, which is a really nice way to con- very be the master of light. You know, I can really control the way my light plays out in this space. So, I have a a lamp behind my background here uh, that's shooting up at the ceiling to give me kind of a soft light and then I have a ring light that's projecting over to me, which is why I probably look well lit. But so so that's another variable that comes into play is lighting is is okay if you set up in a particular space do you, is, are you going to have big old windows with natural light filling in okay well if you are we're going to need to talk about what time of day we're recording because that's going to be a specific time the way the light's going to come in so this is my long-winded way of saying there's a lot of equipment type conversations that have to happen and this is a big barrier to entry for people because it's like there's this plethora of unknown that they don't really understand in getting into this pace which is why it's really helpful to have people that have walked this walk and talked this talk and are doing hundreds of podcasts out there uh to be able to kind of be that that guiding light for them um no pun intended on that one um but but yes yeah, i mean equipment is a barrier to entry but my my biggest message to everybody out there is it doesn't have to be rocket science it doesn't have to be super hard and it doesn't have to break the bank we've got the right options out there we know what ta- what it takes to get the right job done and and a lot of our clients are seeing the results i appreciate you sharing that too i mean it's uh it was surprising to me cuz i always wanted to do a podcast but the same thing and and i didn't want to do it enough that i really felt the need to go and research it Um, But you made it very easy when I was just like, hey, what's that equipment list, right? And so now I've got all these different things at my fingertips that if I'm doing a presentation or a webinar or whatever it is, um, that just with like the click of the button on the stream deck, it's just like, it makes me look a whole lot better than I am. And that's, you know, that's part of the the part of the deal, right? Is is um, I had a I had a boss who would always say to me, he's like, you know, you dress for the part that you want, not the one that you're in. Um, and basically the idea being of, of, you know, if, if you want that position, if you want to advance to that level, then start acting like it now and show that you could. Um, and so the, th- the same thing's true. I think for a lot of brands and, and branding is that people get caught up in the idea of, you know, maybe not trying to come across as egocentric or egotistical. And, and maybe even a podcast is an example of like, who am I to just be a talking head or, or to start my own podcast and even more so Who'd want to listen to what I have to say? Uh, but the reality is, is that there is somebody out there. And if you can help them, you, you know, get your word out there. So, so here we are, here I am. Um, and, uh, and this is what we're doing. <laughs> well, and Zach, it's funny. It's funny that you say that also, because I just experienced this moment uh, yesterday. I was, I was wrapping up with a client. We were recording an episode of their podcast. Um, and 
I was I was uh, uh, doing a quick like login credential thing just to make sure we had access to be able to post certain things. And I was in the podcasting platform that we use to disseminate a lot of our shows for our clients. And I noticed his first episode had published that day that we record, we were recording an episode together. So it had rolled out at like 9 AM and we were recording around 1 PM that afternoon. And the podcast has already had four, four or five downloads, but the promotional content wasn't even slated to start until the day after. So, so we hadn't even promoted the show across his network and his lists, but four to five people had already down. I mean, and that hard downloaded, that doesn't even count like the streams that had happened that day where there wasn't even promotion. Like people knew it dropped and had consumed the information in the show before we even spoke a peep about it to the public. So, so to, just to piggyback on your thought, I mean, yes, there are people out there willing to listen to, to stuff. If you title a show right, if you if you go about the right way of setting up your show, people can find it easily. That's another part of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I went through, gosh, I went through so many different show titles. I mean, you know, I was sending you the ideas and some graphics that we were working on. And I mean, it was like, yeah, it was like vantage point at one point. And it was, I mean, it was just all sorts of weird stuff. But, you know, but we once you figure out that title, um, what's funny now is that like even my friends who know that I started the Elevate and Accelerate podcast, um, you know, they'll be talking and, and they'll mention, you know, Elevate this or Accelerate that. And then they'll look at me and just be like, Elevate and Accelerate. So like, it's just like, you know, it's just become like a fun game. Yeah, it's like just who I am. And obviously, you know, I got my swag and stuff. But yeah. So <laughs> I'm I'm going to get new ones made because this one's like, the bucket's too big. So it folds my ears over. So, you know, I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring it out. Um, so as we're kind of getting into the next phase of this, right. So we've talked about the fact that a podcast is something that you can have. Um, the other, the other part of this is the time commitment. Um, I know for me, like I have, I have this grandiose vision of like being able to do a weekly podcast not for an entire year. I'm not looking to do 52, but I can tell you that that pace is hard to sustain. Um, and this is my job, right? So like, this is part of what I do at the agency, um, with, you know, in addition to a whole bunch else, but like, like getting this content out there, talking to people, helping to, to helping them to grow their business. That is what we do. Right. And so, um, and so even if it's just an hour or two a day or, um, you know, or a week or whatever it is, it just ends up being a lot. And so what is your experience so far as far as, you know, how much time someone actually has to dedicate to a process like this? What's the commitment that they're getting into? You know, it, it doesn't have to be crazy. Um, at the end of the day, uh, well, there, I'll speak to two different schools of thought with this. So, so you mentioned the weekly thing, and I think a lot of us get excited about the idea of weekly, or dare I even say daily, because they are seeing or listening to other podcasts that are able to achieve that format. Well, the reason those podcasts are able to achieve that format is there is an entire, like, franchise or rather an empire even built around those podcasts teams on top of teams on top of teams that are able to do all the work for the hosts of that podcast so that they just have to show up every day and boy is that nice in theory but in reality that is very rare so for somebody that is you know 
Zach, I, we have a few clients that are doing, um, you know, biweekly rollouts, but we're shooting two episodes every month. I think a monthly time commitment is a very manageable time commitment. And here's why. Let's say let's use a standard month as our timeline, right? At the top of the month, we'll we'll you know you're planning out what you want to talk about in your episode, okay? Maybe let's say that takes a week. Then you know you're into week two of the given month. Okay, it's time to sit down and record. And maybe also during that first week, you were sourcing guests. You know, you're trying to figure out who's going to be on the show. What are you going to talk about? You know, take a week of prep, right? Then we're into the second week of the month. We're recording. Okay. Usually there's going to be some last minute prep work that you have to do going into that. Um, when I say you, I mean, whether it's you, the entrepreneur, the individual that's taking on that podcast or you as in maybe the team that that entrepreneur has put around us. For example, our clients are utilizing me and our team to be able to build some of that preemptive uh, pre-production work to take that off their plate so that they do only show up once a month. That's a big part of it. But once a month allows us, allows us, our clients, as well as, you know, anybody that's entering this space, time for preparation, adequate preparation, then the execution of the given podcast, and then post-production to go through, touch up the audio, edit some of the videos together, uh, include some of the, you know, custom branded elements that you want to put into the show. Dare I say commercials, if you're at that level and able to put them in, you know, post-production can take some time. Okay. Well then how are we going to market the show? Well, we're going to want some social media graphics. We're going to want some snackables. We're going to want some, all these other items. And that takes time. So when you're going at a weekly, or like I said, daily podcast, there is a lot more that comes with just than sitting down to go and record the podcast. Yeah. And, and look, and I agree with you too on that. And, and you can jump into, you know, some more details on that. But I think you mentioned something that maybe people aren't thinking about when it comes to just a podcast, because I think in a lot of people's minds, a podcast is you just sit down, you talk, you edit it front and back, clip it, you're done. Right. Um, but we, what we talk about is, you know, you should record it and then you can get the audio, but now you have the video and then you can repurpose that and use it over and over in other places. And so, um, it's a strategy of how to build your authority and your business and to get your content out there apart from just having a show where you talk about things. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point in that, you know, a monthly cadence is good if you are producing other content around it. Um, and repurposing your time commitment because now you're being efficient and effective with the time that you use. So you sit down for a recording session that takes a couple of hours, let's say, which we know it doesn't, but let's just say, you know, worst case scenario. And you're basically your commitment um, is the strategy part that you want to talk about, which is usually just talking about the things you already know. And then the other part is, is just those two hours for recording and then having a team or whoever else that can do the editing and otherwise for you. Um, you know, that commitment level, but then the number of assets that you get as a result is really what makes the difference, um, especially for, for businesses and small businesses who, you know, time and money are very valuable resources like they are for all of us. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's those resources that can help push that show forward and get it in front of more eyes and ears and, uh, and allow you to connect with your target audience, you know, to bring it back to the top of what we were talking about. There is an audience for every podcast out there. There is, it's just, is that show getting in front of the eyes and ears of the, that target audience and to just sit down and record a show and to pump it out on a platform, you know, once a month, that's, that's not going to cut it. You, you need other promotional items to be able to help push that forward and get it in front of those eyes and ears. 
So here's um, here's as we kind of uh, get towards the end of our conversation today. And again, thanks so much for being on here. I mean, I found it very valuable uh, just being able to to hear some of the insights that you've been able to share with us. But look, you you have been on um, this side of the camera for a very long time, um, whether it was live, recorded, you know, planned, unplanned, like just whatever it was. And so. Uh, most people, myself included, when they're on camera, when they hear themselves recorded for the first time, they cringe, right? They're like, oh gosh, that's really what I look like. Is that um, because you see yourself the way other people see you, right? You're used to, you know, shapes and things being. So anyway, like besides all of that weird funky science that goes on in our own brains, like the reality is, is that there are some tips and tricks about how you show up on camera. Um, especially in an environment like this, and even more so if you're the only person who's on the camera, right? And so what are, what are some of your insights on how somebody can present themselves audibly, visually, and otherwise that could help them be successful with something like this? Yeah, good, good question. And this, Zach, is one of the biggest questions that I get asked the moment that I share my background with our clients and the moment that we actually start getting into those moments of where we're recording shows. It's, it's especially like after we do the first one and they do see themselves back, that it, there's that funky science you mentioned and, and oh, you're repulsed by yourself um, if you're not accustomed to, to seeing yourself, that is. And I've got a few tips and tricks that I always work with everybody on. And this is just, this isn't, it's not something, well, it is something, things were, that were taught to me, uh, but also things that I just picked up about myself. So I say that with the caveat, everybody is different. Everybody will look at themselves and hear themselves in, in, a, in a certain way, and they will be able to figure out little nuances of their own behavior uh, that they know that they can curb. Maybe something that like, Zach, if you watch episodes and things of me, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on because you're not me. But when I watch me, I notice that I do these things. So there's that level to it, right? There's that individual um, ability to, to pick up on little things that you can do and maybe fine tune things in that regard. But when it comes to some more generic overarching strategies that you can use to just really, you know, improve your ability and performance on camera, I've got a few. And the first big one I always like to bring up is eye contact. So, uh, for example, right now I'm staring in, uh, right into the lens of my camera. And as you guys probably have noticed throughout the course of the show, um, I do that because I am looking at you, our audience who is out there. I am connecting with you by looking at you. But here's the thing. If I do this for too long, it starts to feel weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because if we're in the same room together and we're talking, am I just going to lock eyes with you constantly and never leave? No, that's going to be weird. You're going to be weird. You're going to be weirded out by me and it's just going to be an odd dynamic. So, so people always ask me, Ryan, do I need to be looking at the camera? Do I need to be looking wherever guys, frankly, from my setup, here's my camera lens. Here's Zach. That's where my eyeline is. That's Zach right there. So if I want to connect with my audience, AKA Zach or you guys out there, I, I'm not really doing it if I'm looking right here, are I? No, I look like I'm reading off of a script and things like that. No, I want to be up here. I want to be engaging with you. So eye contact. I'm used to doing this. I'm used to staring down the barrel of a camera lens because I've been doing it for years. So my tip to you to help for better eye contact is think of a sandwich. You got your bread, you got your stuff, and you got your bread. The pieces of the bread are you looking at the camera. So let's say Zach is asking me a question. I'm looking at the lens. I'm engaging. Okay, I'm yeah, all right, Zach, I'm hearing your question. And Zach says, what do you think about that, Ryan? I'll start my answer at the top of the sandwich. 
with my eyes on the camera. You know, Zach, a lot of people ask me about this question. Okay. And once it's time for me to actually answer the question, I leave the camera. I'm searching my head for thoughts. I'm looking down at my notes. It's normal. We do it. If we were in a room together, I wouldn't be staring directly at you the entire time. So leave the camera. You can always come back to it, but leave, leave. Think about your thoughts. Tell your story. My eyes, my head, my body. It's going everywhere. But then once I'm wrapping my thought up and it's time for me to stop talking or to maybe toss a question to somebody else, I'll come back to the camera. So think of it as like eye contact, like a sandwich. Start your thought looking at the camera, leave it, do your thing, and then come back to it once it's time for you to stop talking or throw it. Eye contact, that's my first one. The next one is a, is is kind of – I really have like two that I kind of couple, and that's relaxation. I got to interrupt you here, and I'm sorry yeah. to do that. But Go like, for it. I, um, for the people that don't see this, like – when you were talking about, you know, it's fine. And like, you were, you were over dramatizing, like, you know, look around and like, you were like moving all over the place. And like, you know, authenticity is a great part of all of this. And, and it reminded me from an audio standpoint, like when you're moving, like you can hear in my voice that I'm moving, like, you know, you can hear if I'm moving a lot or a little or whatever. And so, you know, it's good to be animated like that. Um, and, and if you talk with your hands, talk with your hands, you know, you're not just like up here. talking. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to get into that. And that's that relaxation and authenticity. I kind of couple them together when you're on camera and this one is hard. This is the hardest one, honestly. And that is, be yourself. The reason that somebody is showing up to the podcast or the video to begin with is because you're providing some sort of knowledge, something they want to hear about. That's the only reason that they ever click play to begin with. So by tensing up, by acting like someone or something that you are not, they're going to see right through that. They're going to hear it in your voice. I mean, when I, when I was fresh out of broadcasting school over at Penn state and I was dropped as a reporter, I'm trying to, I was trying way too hard to be this on air presence, this, this commanding feature. I'm not, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty loose kind of guy. Like I just like, I let things flow and I act as I act. I, I, I had to snap out of that. And I'm thankful that I had a news director and I had some mentors in that role that had to tell, be like, look, man, you're trying way too hard. You're just trying too hard. And that humbled me pretty quickly. And once I stopped trying, all of a sudden people started saying things to me like, oh, there's, you know, there's Ryan from the news because I was acting as myself and myself was able to connect with certain viewers, certain listeners out there. So authenticity, being yourself, allowing yourself to make mistakes on camera is natural. It's, it's exactly how you'd be if you sat down in a meeting with somebody that day. You'd be yourself, right? Because you've been running your business. You've been doing this for decades probably. So authenticity is a big one. Relaxation is the other one. Relaxation is a little I, – I, I write it all – I always write it down. I share it differently because – when you're authentic, you are yourself. When you're relaxed, you are your true self. You are really yourself. I always have a cup of coffee, a glass of water, some, some prop even to just sit here at my desk with me when I am going through these types of things. It takes uh, – I, I love to share this story, Zach, um, and if you don't know it, you'll enjoy it. I know you, I know you like sports. Uh, it's I call it the Joe Buck um, is this. So for anybody out there, Joe Buck, national football announcer, MLB announcer. I mean, he spent, you might spend every Sunday with Joe Buck in some capacity. Well, Joe Buck's right-hand man is Troy Aikman, legendary, you know, Dallas 
you know, uh, quarterback. And the two of them have been a broadcasting duo for a decade plus now. Uh, they have one of my all-time favorite things that I have taken into this space. Uh, before every game, whether it's baseball or it's football, it is on a national stage. There are millions of people tuning in live, mind you, to this show that they are the drivers of. What Joe and what Troy do before they are launched live for the very first on-camera hit, Joe and Troy crack a beer. They have they crack a beer together. You read Joe Books, uh, Joe Buck's book. I should say that ten times fast. Read his book, uh, and you'll 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 hear about this. They crack a beer, and it's their way to humble themselves. They only have one. It's their way to humble themselves and bring them back to reality to say, look. It's a sporting event. It's a sports game. We're all here to admire athletes and this grand stage in this pastime that we all love as Americans and as people on this earth. Let's let's just knock it down a peg. Let's call a spade a spade. We're at a sporting event. Let's let's relax. So I take the Joe Buck mentality and I have my cup of coffee. I don't have a beer when I'm doing podcasts, but I have a cup of coffee. I have a juice. I have a seltzer water. I have something to relax me because I, it's a prop. It's something that helps relax me. So that's just my little thought of authenticity, relaxation. And I mentioned eye contact, Zach, any, any thoughts on those two? I've got one more that I can share with you. Yeah. I mean, I think they're all really helpful. And like you said, I mean, the authenticity part is, is probably one of the trickiest ones because the minute that you try to be authentic, then you're not authentic anymore. Right. And and people see that, right. You're trying too hard to be authentic or whatever you're trying to be. Um, and so it is, there is a, um, there's a, there's a learning curve. So if you listen to the first podcast that I ever did, and then to this podcast, and then the podcast episode, you know, 400 down the road, because we're only on six, but we'll get there in the next year. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. We're not doing four, but um, yeah, <laughs> um, but you get better over time and, and it's just like a good show, right? When you sit down to watch a show, you don't know the characters yet. You're not really connected to anybody. They're sort of introducing you to the concepts. They're introducing you to the people and they're introducing you to the storyline. And, and until you kind of have that framework, which is you know, one, two, three, maybe more episodes in, depending on the complexity of it. Um, you know, you've got to sort of muscle your way through, um, you know, and for lack of a better word, right? And, and so when you get to the point, though, where you're bought in, I'm, I'm thinking right now, personally, of Game of Thrones, right? Like, I had read some of the books, and then I got into it. So I knew what to expect. And they were, you know, whatever. Um, and we won't talk about the final season, because that really, you know, so we'll just Yeah, the the season that never was, that's what that's what I'm going to start calling it. But anyway, yeah, so Look, my point is this, it's that when you start out, when everybody starts out, unless you're a pro at this, like Ryan, it's gonna, you're gonna start out finding your voice, you're gonna start out finding your presence. And it's going to take a little bit for it to feel authentic for you, because it's something you haven't done before. So like Ryan said, with, you know, and, and what you've been saying about this, like, just relax, trust the process just get it out there. And every time you do it, you're going to get better. Um, and then you'll, you'll look back at that first time and you'll just be like, Oh man, I was silly. Wasn't I like, I can't believe I, I said that so many times or I picked my nose on camera. You know what I mean? Like what a, 
what a juvenile, but no, no, it's true. It's true. It's just reps, reps, reps. It's muscle memory. It's like a sport. The more you do it, the more you see yourself doing it and you are able to correct the mistakes or the not, maybe not even mistakes, the, the little quirks about yourself on camera that, that you would like to be different. Right. So that's, that's a really big one. The final one that I was going to mention, Zach, is, is credibility. And credibility is an interesting way of talking about improving an on-camera performance. But what I mean is credibility through stories. Um, you know, boy, I mean, if you know anything about a celebrity branding agency, you know, we are rooted in storytelling and, and brand personal branding. I mean, that's what we do storytelling is so powerful in so many ways. I mean, it's what's propelled my career forever and it will continue to do so until the end of my time. And that is if you can tell a story well, just to articulate it and to set, you know, set it up, you know, introduce its characters and, and have a punchline or have value to your story. If you can tell a story, well, you can share anything on a podcast, absolutely anything. And if you can tell a story well, and provide its details well and articulate these things that evoke emotion or, or create, you know, thought really, then you can do a very good job of establishing credit on camera credibility for yourself. So it, I've, you know, my, my parents at a young age would always say to me like, Oh, right. You love, you're a storyteller. Like I would tell elaborate stories about absolutely nothing, I guess, to my parents. And, but the thing about it was, was that, when I was able to get to my first gig, you know, out of college as that, as that television news reporter, I had mentors in that space telling me, you know, if you can just articulate, you know, when you tell a story, walk through it methodically, introduce the different players in it, you know, set things up, have a payoff, have value to it. If you can do that, and then you can transfer that to being on camera while you do it and do it the same way that you would if you're not on camera, well, then when somebody's watching you on camera, you will have established this level of credibility of being on camera. Does that make sense? Like you establish like the ability for somebody to be like, oh, this, this guy's a pro at, at this, at, at being in this podcast, being on camera. He's a, he or she's, they're a real pro at this because they just look so comfortable. They seem and are, they seem so natural and are articulating these things so well. That's just because it comes with the ability of just being a storyteller, walk through things, don't speed through it that's kind of my final tip so uh, to round them all out zach it's that eye contact authenticity relaxation and the last one kind of being that on camera credibility through just the ability to tell a story that's those are those are kind of my biggest tips i i love that and like you said i mean we talk a lot about story here and, and story is probably one of the most passionate things that i have in my life like i just i love story and i love storytelling it's just a it's just a great way to connect with people and to your point um, you know, and I, I did another podcast on this and, and I'm sure there will be more that cover it. But I mean, really, your ability to be able to tell a good story releases a neuropeptide in people's brains called oxytocin. And and no matter what study you read, whether it's the love hormone or it's not or it's this or it's that fundamentally at its core, it is it is the hormone that is needed for building and maintaining relationships. And what is an audience if it's not a, a relationship, right? It's it's a um, there's some dynamic there, right? That happens even if it's a one to many or a couple to many. Um, and so, yeah, the ability to tell a good story is really the ability to connect with 
humans. <laughs> um, and, and so we all have that ability. I think some people are like, oh, I'm not a storyteller. And it's like, well, you might not be a theatrical storyteller, right? You might not be like the next Shakespeare or something, but that doesn't mean that you can't tell a good story or relate your experience in a way that that connects with other people. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? So, all right, cool, man. Well, listen, thanks again for coming on from from one storyteller oh, to another. A blast. <laughs> yeah, this was a blast, man. Um, just fun to, to be on the other side. Yeah, just a real, just a real pleasure. So, um, and thanks to all of you for listening uh, to today's episode. Um, I hope you're able to find some value from that. If you did, please like and subscribe. Visit our website. Um, you know, we've got elevateaccelerate.com. Uh, no and in there, just elevateaccelerate.com. ZachViscomi.com. CelebrityBrandingAgency.com. Uh, check us out. See what we're doing. Um, and if you're interested, feel free to give us a call. But otherwise, I'll see you next time on episode whatever's next seven or 20 or 400. We'll see. Uh, but hopefully you come back for the next one. So thanks again. And until next time.